Welcome to The Authority of Love. My name is Greg Williams, and thank you for joining us again on Broadcaster Podcast uh, at WJMM 99.1 in Central Kentucky Radio or at WJMM.com on the podcast tab. You can listen to today's and the previous two days' messages at the Love and Lordship links. I also have all the videos and podcasts on uh, our Love and Lordship Vimeo page and Love and Lordship Podbean page. Uh, finally, you can find a lot of things out about our ministry at loveandlordship.com. And you can email me at loveandlordship at gmail.com. Who, who knows? We'd love to engage with you, but you might end up being a guest someday on Love and Lordship. Love to do that. I continue today with uh, a message that I started yesterday talking about a person after God's own heart. And I had entitled it, God's Heart and Ours. And so today we're going to pick that up with part two of that. And let's continue from what we've learned from God's word and from King David, the man after God's own heart, right? From yesterday's program, how do we develop a heart that seeks after God's heart in all things? Remember, David sought after God when everything was going well, and he knew he could seek after God and find him when everything had fallen apart by his own sin. So let's look at some things here that help us develop a a heart that's after God's. In other words, we want to seek his, know what his heart is, and then imitate it. That's what it means to be a person after God's own heart. Two things are keys, crucial keys, in developing a, a heart that seeks after God's heart. Prayer and time in God's word. These are the keys that help everything else happen. Number one, we must spend time in and lay the foundation in God's word. Parents and adults, we must set the example as Christ's disciples in our children's lives and in the lives of those less mature in Christ's family, the church. That's why that we do love and lordship for that reason. Uh, take a look around, folks, at our culture and even in our churches uh, in, including those who have grown up in our churches, I should say, and, and are there now. The last two to three generations, we can see that the proof is very clear. Our time in church, one to two to maybe three hours a week, if you're a really good churchgoer, right? And that's not a bad thing, but it's not enough. It's not led to a deep understanding of God's word. And, and that's not the intent of it. It's not supposed to be all done just in church. That's the tip of the iceberg. That's where if it's good, truthful preaching and teaching, not compromised or anything, it's a good starting point. You see, we need this foundation. Our children need this foundation. And Christ's church has to be based on this foundation of his word. I'm not saying you have to show up every week to everything that goes on. But what you need to do is make sure you are understanding that foundation of God's word from Genesis to Revelation, and you are spending time in it. And if you go back to our messages previously, remember I said, if you've not been used to doing this, have the discipline to and desire to start. Let me say it this way. The desire to start, the discipline to do it a little bit every day, and the commitment to make sure you are there every day. So start with five to 10 minutes every day. You see, God's word is the foundation for everything else. We've not as a culture and even as the church been doing this very well. 
Look where we are. Look around us and see whether or not that foundation has been laid and the fruit is kingdom fruit in our culture and even in many of our churches. If we apply the word to it, we find that we're not. Look where the media is, where our governments and courts are, where our education system and schools are for the most part. Look where our marriages and family are with regard to all of this. Folks, it's not going to get any better if we don't spend time in God's word. People after God's own heart are people that spend time in the very word, the very breath. It's God breathed the very life that is his word by what Christ has given us in salvation, the Holy Spirit in us. The written word points directly to the living word in Christ, which points us to the Father. We can know him. We can know his heart. And we can have a heart that seeks after his. And second part of that, we must be people of prayer. People who desire to know God. Prayer is not a wish list that we get from a genie in a bottle. Prayer literally is the opportunity to spend time with and communicate and converse with God. His word is to us. Prayer is us back to him. Not only speaking and sharing and asking, yes, but listening. We get to know God. We get to know his glory. We get to know his heart by knowing his name. You see, here are some ways to begin having your heart seek after the Lord's heart. We're just going to use Different concepts here and the scriptures that that encourage us in that. Number one, delight. Whatever it takes, Lord, give me delight in you as the greatest treasure of my heart. These are literally prayers that you can pray and trust the Holy Spirit to lead you in them. Psalm 37, 4 says this, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's not asking he gives you what you want. He will begin to teach you and place in you his very desires for yourself and for others. That's what it means to seek the Lord, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will place within you, teach you the desires of your heart in line with his. Matthew 6.21 says it this way, for wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Take a look and see. Second thing, desires. Whatever it takes, Lord, align the desires of my heart with yours. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's aligning our desires with his and allowing him to teach us his desires and walk in them. Third, dependence. Whatever it takes, Lord, increase my awareness of my dependence on you in every everything so that I will continually live by faith in your strength and in your presence. The what John the, the apostle said in John 15:5 about Jesus, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Help me, Lord to have a heart and a life that depends completely on you. Here's the fourth D, discernment. Notice how I start every one of these short prayers. Whatever it takes, Lord, teach me to discern good from evil through the rigorous exercise of constant practice of your word. Hebrews 5.14 says it this way, but solid food is for the mature 
for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. You think we're missing something there today? You know why? Because we've not spent the time in God's word. One or two hours a week in a sermon or a lesson is not enough. It's just a start. We've got to go deeper in order to discern, have that wisdom so that we can distinguish good from evil and stand firm in the good against the evil. Now, the fifth one, desperation. Huh? What do you say? I don't want to be desperate. Yes, we do. Whatever it takes, Lord, keep me desperate for you, your word, your truth, your grace, your mercy, your love, your holiness, your righteousness. Because I tend to wander when I stop feeling my need, my desperation for you. Psalm 119.67 says this, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now, I'm adding this to make the point, because you have afflicted me, I keep your word. See, that's a person after God's own heart. And then the next one is discipline. Whatever it takes, Lord, discipline me for my good, that I may share your holiness and bear the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Aren't these incredible prayers? Really, they're right out of God's word. Look what he says in Hebrews 12, 10 and 11. He disciplines us for our good. That actually includes punishment if you read the, the first part of Hebrews 12. That we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Amen to that, right? But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Hebrews 12, 10 and 11. And then finally, diligence. Whatever it takes, Lord, increase my resolve to do your will with all diligence. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. And then Paul says it in Colossians another way. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Now that's diligence. Oswald Chambers says this in his, uh, in his devotional, My Atmosphere for His Highest. The cost of sanctification, it's found in February 8th in his devotional. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. When we pray to be sanctified, are we prepared to face the standard of these verses? We take the term sanctification much too lightly. Are we prepared for what sanctification will cost? It will cost an intense narrowing of all our interest on earth and an immense broadening of all our interest in God, a man after God's own heart, a woman after God's own heart, right? Sanctification means intense concentration on God's point of view. It means every power of body, soul, and spirit chained and kept for God's purpose only. Are we prepared for God to do in us all that he separated us for? And then after his work is done in us, are we prepared to separate ourselves to God even as Jesus did? He said, for their sakes, I sanctify myself. The reason some of us have not entered into the experience of sanctification, being set apart for God's purposes, having a heart that seeks after his, is that we have not realized the meaning of sanctification from God's standpoint. Sanctification means being made one with Jesus so that the disposition that ruled him will rule us. Are we prepared for what that will cost? It will cost everything that is not of God in us. 
Are we prepared to be caught up into the swing of this prayer of the Apostle Paul's? Are we prepared to say, Lord, make me as holy as you can make a sinner saved by grace? And that is completely. Jesus has done it. Jesus has prayed that we might be one with him as he is one with the Father. The one and only characteristic of the Holy Ghost in a man is a strong family likeness to Jesus Christ and freedom from everything that is unlike him. Are we prepared to set ourselves apart for the Holy Spirit's ministry in us? This is what he's called every one of us to. And it's why he died on the cross, so we could know him in this way. Is there any area of pride or hidden sin in your life? You see, Jesus went to the cross to take our place. We are forgiven, made whole, and able to be in a relationship with God the Father. Christ has made it so. Are you living accordingly? Do you have a heart that seeks after his? Do what David did to show he was really seeking after God's heart. He confessed, he acknowledged who God was and is, and who he was in God's who he was in God's sight, and came clean before the Lord as best as he could, asked the Lord to completely cleanse and change his heart and who he was. You see, 2 Corinthians 10, 7 says, there's a godly sorrow that brings repentance and leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorry, just sorry I got caught, not really change of heart, that leads to death. Do you need that today? Do you need to make that confession? Do you need to seek after God's heart? Do you want to know that as David did, seeking after God's heart in every situation? Let's all, wherever we are in our walk, make it a point to do this every day and even in every moment of every day for his glory. A man, a woman after God's own heart. What are you seeking after? How is that reflected in every part of your life? Are you striving to be a person after God's own heart? Are you truly set apart for him? What do you need to do to change your life to be a person after God's own heart? I'm Greg Williams, and you're listening to The Authority of Love.